2: through interviews with leading professionals, and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing.
1: Hey there, this is Danielle. And this is Jamie. Welcome to episode 13 of the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast. Jamie, I am so excited for today's interview with Kathy Darris. We are talking all about managing the financial side of your influencer business.
2: Do you know what my favorite part? of what you just said was? You said excited and financial side in the same sentence. <laughs>
1: you know what? I bet you everybody feels just like that when we're like, today we're talking about legal and we're all jazz hands and like crazy happy. And people are like, oh, huh, maybe I'll skip this one. No, legal's awesome.
2: It's the accounting that makes me want to curl up <laughs> the <cell> and weep <laughs> silently. It's oh my true. gosh. But Kathy is awesome. She's, she is. She's got so much awesome energy and she's got amazing information.
1: I honestly think she's like the us of CPAs, where, like, that's a, that's a compliment, like, a totally, compliment. right? It's to say that she makes it accessible and a little more fun and understandable. Cause I think everybody who's ever heard me on anything knows that I'm not great with math and I just, Kind of glaze over when it's time to deal with taxes. It's an automatic, hello, CPA, here is this stack of things. Please make magic.
2: Actually, when my, when my CPA comes and gives us all of our information, he's like, do you want to spend 15 minutes going over this? And I'm like, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Just tell show me where to me sign. Where to sign. Yeah.
2: Tell I don't want to know. I'm like, tell me what check I have to write and tell me where to sign, which is the worst thing. I should not admit that in public, but I'm it with you. It's the same thing. Kathy in the HQ always gives amazing information. So she I does. feel like she, she will make this not as painful.
1: She is fantastic. I am so excited for everybody to learn about taxes and some of the benefits of whether not some of the benefits, but whether or not they should be an S-corp and kind of digging into that idea. We hear so much talk about it. So it's really great to get that expert perspective.
2: Yeah. Cause we do get that question a lot. The LLC <laughs> versus S-corp question. I am excited to hear what Kathy has to say. Does she, does she talk about what you can deduct on On
1: your taxes, we do talk about that a little bit, and I'm kind of excited to go into that because I'm not gonna lie. In my head, I'm always like, "Can I maybe write these Botox injections off if I (laughs) take some pictures somewhere? Because you know they're expensive. Is that a deduction? I want to deduct my blowouts. (laughs) Just I, you know, I'm
2: speaking it somewhere or I'm having a picture taken. I need the hair's got to look good,
1: but my accountant says no." I know, it's not any fun, but that's okay. We are here to talk about the things that we can deduct as influencers, which is awesome. So why don't we jump in? Let me give everybody a little bit about Kathy before we get started. Kathy Daris is a CPA and financial planner who helps online business owners eliminate stress and worry over taxes and business finances at Brightwater Accounting. Anyone can throw numbers into tax software, but Kathy is here to help you make sense of those numbers and create a better financial strategy for your business and your life. Now, before we jump
2: into the interview with Kathy, here's a word from today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hashtag Legal. Hashtag Legal is a full-service law firm specializing in influencer marketing, social media, and service professionals. We offer a wide range of services, contract review and drafting, trademark and copyright registration and monitoring, FTC advice and disclosures, and full site reviews, including drafting site terms and conditions and privacy policies. Check us out at www.hashtag-legal.com
1: we are so excited to have kathy on the show today we are going to be talking about all things financial for your influencer business kathy welcome thanks so much for having me danielle we are really excited you are a cpa but you have such strong ties to the influencer world can you tell us a bit about that connection
0: sure so while I was working in public accounting, which isn't the most glamorous field ever.
1: Yes, I it is.
0: <laughs> so I needed kind of a creative outlet, but I'm still like a numbers business kind of person. I started a personal finance blog called Fiscally Chic. I attended a few years of FinCon, which was, you know, originally called the Financial Blogger Conference, which is actually kind of how I met Danielle. I, you know, started this blog, it kind of turned into this lifestyle mommy blog. And then being as a CPA, I eventually used it as a springboard to first launch a financial planning firm and then Brightwater Accounting, my virtual accounting firm for online business owners. I work with influencers, marketing firms, you know, people in PR, you know, photographers, people in that creative space. But doing the boring things they don't want to do.
1: (laughs) We hear that a lot, as you can guess, on the legal side of things. And I think that along with legal, taxes and accounting are really daunting for so many influencers. Why do you think that is? I mean, first off, the US tax code is super complex.
0: And, you know, the whole current tax reform situation, if that's any indication, you know, taxes change over time. So, keeping up with you know the federal code and sh- in addition to 50 states and Washington DC your head starts to spin and mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> while i love numbers and playing with spreadsheets that's the last thing some people want to do they want to focus on their business spend time you know with their family traveling or so on and then it it includes money which is confusing in and of itself and for some people they just don't want to avoid it and you know there's deadlines and you know calculations and so it's just a lot to manage financially
1: emotionally and that sort of thing so that's such a good point now what we want to do today is to talk about some of the most important areas for influencers to know about that financial side of their Mm -hmm. business. Let's start with the distinction between a business and a hobby. Can you tell us more about that? Because I think some people really get tripped up there. Yes.
0: In the eyes of the IRS, an activity could be a business or just a hobby, depending on how you treat it. One of the first things that comes into play is does the activity bring a profit? So, you know, you have your revenue, which is the money coming in, the sales, and then you have expenses, you know, things that you're paying for. You know the IRS says that if you're making a profit of at least three of the last five years, that would be considered a business. But there are a lot more considerations. You know, knowing that you know some businesses kind of take take a while to kind of really get started. But you know, how much time and effort do you put into this activity? Do you have this intention to make a profit, or is this just something you do on the side? You know, making friendship bracelets um, and selling mm-hmm. them to people. Um, you know, are you tracking your income and expenses? Do you have a separate bank account? Are you registered? Uh, do you depend on the income? Um, have you changed your methods of operations to improve your profitability? You know, increasing prices, offering different products or services. And do you have the knowledge or do you work with people that have the knowledge to help you run a successful business? One of those things doesn't make or break it if you're a business or a hobby, but, you know, think about it in total because then if you have a business or a hobby, that will impact how you report some of the things on your tax return.
1: That's a really important distinction. If someone is in that stage where they're saying, you know what, this started out as a hobby blog and now it's really moving into that realm of a, a business, what are the first steps that you recommend they take in terms mm-hmm. of protecting the financial side of their business?
0: Well, first of all, regardless of whether it is a hobby or a business, the IRS wants to know about all income that you earn. You know, even if you make just a little bit of affiliate income, you know, the IRS wants to know about that. It just impacts the amount that you can deduct on the expenses that you deduct. So if you're a hobby, you and you have $500 of income and $500 of expenses or $1,000 of expenses, you can only offset $500 of that income, and you you just get back to zero. But if you're a business, and you have $5 of income, you know, in your startup year, and you have $1,000 of expenses, you have a $500 net loss that you can report that loss on your tax return and offset other taxable income. So that's kind of like one thing. So like make sure that you're kind of setting up the systems to track it. So I always talk with prospective clients and ask them if they have separate business accounts set up, You know, a separate checking account, separate PayPal, separate credit card, so that you can have that separation of church and state and you know, one, proof to the IRS that you're running a business, but it also just helps you have a better idea of the health of your business and it makes your own tax prep so much easier.
1: Okay, Kathy. Now that somebody is ready to take that next step and they are officially going to consider themselves a business for IRS purposes, what tax implications do they have? And are there any recommendations that you give to people so that they can get the knowledge that they need for that next stage?
0: I'm a CPA, so I can talk about things from a tax perspective. So I can kind of tell people, does it make sense? You know, if you are still going to be a sole proprietor? Or, you know, if you talk with an attorney like Danielle um, and Jamie, you know, does it make sense to be structured as an LLC for liability protection? You know, what does that mean from a tax perspective? You know, by default, an LLC is still going to be, if it's just you, a single member LLC, you're still going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. Maybe it makes sense to be taxed as an S-Corp. And I know we're going to talk more about that later. Um, But this is just something that, You know, you want to have people on your team so you can ask some of these different questions.
1: That's a really great point. And at what point do you recommend people seek out the advice of a CPA?
0: You know, I love it when clients are proactive and they talk to me ahead of time before they make a big decision versus after the fact they had already, you know, they kind of DIYed it on their own and then said, hey, turns out I did it this this way, what does it mean you know, what does this mean for my tax bill? Um, I did have a client that came to me and initially she thought she had formed an LLC. And then it turns out she, you know, she'd used LegalZoom and she had a C-corp. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that greatly affected, you know, how we were going to prepare her taxes. It was a little bit... You know, late in the game, we weren't going to go back and do that S Corp election, but it kind of affects the process,
1: you know. That makes a lot of sense. I think it is, and we tell people this all the time in terms of the legal. It's so important not to, don't think of it as just transactional. I think it's a CPA can be there for strategy and helping Mm -hmm. you plan as well. And that's so important to remember. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question that I know is probably the one that everyone wants us to ask. (laughs) since we're talking about taxes, yes, we see this all the time in Facebook groups every year. You can probably guess around what time. What are Mm -hmm. some common deductions that influencers can take that may not come up in a random, another business or another type of business role? Sure. So,
0: you know, a lot of influencers might be working from home and yes, there is you know, the dedicated home office deduction, but if you don't have that dedicated space, for example, I'm talking to you from my kitchen. I work from my kitchen. That's not a home office space, but I have a split use, you know, business and personal use of our home internet of my cell phone. So I look at what, you know, and obviously it's been split between my husband as well, but, you know, I kind of look at what's the business use um, you know, provide assumptions and calculations and, you know, make sure that I'm deducting it because it's a legitimate
1: business expense that I need
0: to run my business. You
1: know, of course. There's so things- can I ask you a quick question there when mm-hmm. you're talking about split use? So do yeah. you say, okay, I use this 50% of the time for, streaming cartoons on Amazon for my kid. And I use this 50% of the time. I know you're there too. And I use it 50% of the time for work. Is it then a 50, 50 split that you consider in terms of the deduction amount?
0: I guess it kind
1: of depends
0: uh, in, in a way. Yes. You know, if it's just you as an individual, but I also kind of think of it as, okay, I'm here. I'm the only one here for, let's just say eight hours of the day. And so I'm going to be the only one using it for eight hours a day because my husband works at an office somewhere else uh, versus, you know, me just working from home, the kids are at daycare. But then, you know, there's that time of the day when the whole family's back home. And so that's going to have that personal use at that point. So, you know, in a way, you know, yes, for our example, you know, we could say that 50 50, um, but you just can't say that you're going to use it for 100% of the time, even if you're a single person with, you know, if we're talking about the cell phone you're still probably going to call your mom at some point, you know, (laughs) you're going to be making plans for Friday night. You know, the, if the IRS sees that, you know, unless you have a specific separate phone line, you know, just for your business, there's going to be some sort of personal use.
1: That makes sense. Now, what about the one that I know comes up all the time is around conferences. What aspect of conferences is deductible and a secondary question to that. Mm -hmm. Clothes that people buy to wear to conferences. I see that one come (laughs) up quite a bit. So, if you could talk about conferences. Yeah. So,
0: conferences, the registration fee, you know, that's professional development, not a problem. You know, your travel to get there, not a problem. Business use, you know, hotel, that would be, you know, a business expense. The only thing is, it gets a little bit tricky if you're going somewhere like, let's say, Orlando. And you bring your family along with you and you tack on an extra travel day to go to the parks with the kids, get there before the conference. So you kind of have to look at what days were you there just for the conference? You know, that hotel stay would be business. You know, the travel day would be business. But if you go ahead of time, let's say, you know, Thursday, you're going just to look at the go, just to go to the parks, you know, that's going to be a personal expense. So you kind of have to look at, is it business, is it personal, Um, you know, travel meals, just for you, you know, would be, you know, 50% deductible. You know, if your family's coming along with you, theirs isn't a business expense unless I guess you're, you know, unless my husband was also a partner in the business and going to the conference, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but like the kids, their, their meals wouldn't be deductible. Um, when it comes to clothing, I would say most of the time it's not deductible. Yes, I know there are certain conferences where they have certain themes for certain nights. And you know you have to get that new sparkly sequin skirt, but I'm gonna say you can wear it outside of a work function, so I would say not deductible. But if there are things like protective clothing and you know uniforms, that would be deductible. You know steel toe boots if you need to use that to go on a construction site. But the one little you know possibility that might be deductible is. Let's say that you are a personal trainer and you get some tank tops and, you know, leggings, sports bras, and then you actually get your um, gym's logo on there, then that would be a personal or a professional expense. Um, That
1: makes a lot of sense. Although I have a feeling that you just made some people sad. So we're very sorry, friends, about the clothing issue. (laughs) That one is always very hotly debated every year in groups. And I'm always like, I don't think so. You get my standard disclaimer, which is, I am a lawyer, I am not a tax lawyer. I am not an accountant. I can it, I can just rattle it off yes. and I'm always just thinking, "Oh guys, this isn't a uniform, be careful." Okay. So, there's one other one that I know comes up and I'm going to yes. ask you specifically because I hear people ask about it frequently. If you are a food blogger who does those mm-hmm. fancy tasty style videos and you got to yes. make sure your nails look nice cuz people can get mean on the internet, is a manicure a deductible expense?
0: Ooh. That's a good question.
1: I would ask you, you. yes, you would, (laughs)
0: because I've had that question, know. I was gonna say, I know props would be, you know, that sort of thing, but, ooh, that kind of goes along with like hair and makeup, Mm -hmm. you know, people that need to get like hair and makeup for
1: headshots, you know, if they're like an actor, would that make sense? But I don't know, I'd have to get back to you. I love it. Okay. We'll check back in with you on that one. So let's talk a little bit, since we're on taxes, tell us a little bit about the benefits of being taxed as an S-Corp.
0: A little bit of backstory first. You know, we kind of talked about how LLCs by default, they could be taxed as a sole proprietor and, or you could elect to be taxed as an S-Corp. When your business is taxed as a sole proprietor, or, you know, if it's multi-members and is taxed taxed as a partnership, the net income is reported on Schedule C And the entire amount is subject to your regular income taxes, which is what's, you know, your tax bracket, plus self-employment taxes. As an S-Corp, you have to pay yourself a reasonable salary, and you can talk to the CPA about that. Um, And then that salary is subject to regular income taxes plus payroll taxes, which in essence are the same as self-employment taxes. And then that remaining net income of the business flows through to your personal tax return and is only subject to your regular income taxes. Um, that's all hypothetical. How about an example? Yes, please. Okay. So let's say your business's net income before your salary is $100,000. Nice round numbers. So if your reasonable compensation is $40,000, you have to pay income and payroll taxes on that $40,000. And then that remaining sixty dollars that flows through to your tax return and is only subject to income taxes, you know, based off of your tax bracket. So the savings comes in from that self-employment taxes. You know, you're not paying self-employment taxes on that remaining 60%.
1: One thing I constantly see people ask about is, is it, is there a formula? Is there a number that when you get to this number, it's better to be an S-corp as opposed to being taxed as a sole proprietor? Is that something that exists or is it more, it depends on what your reasonable salary would be?
0: It It is a big, it depends because you have to, there are so many variables that you have to take into account. Um, you have to look at what state you're in and how is an S-corp taxed versus a sole proprietor. You know, there are some places like Tennessee, New York city, where it just doesn't even make sense to make that election because any savings that you would get on self-employment taxes, you're just going to be paying additional corporate taxes. Then you also have to take into account: do you have like a full-time job or some sort of job where you're getting W-2 income that you're already paying in payroll taxes? And then on top of that, you know, if you have this S-corp with a salary, you know, you're gonna be paying payroll taxes on that as well. That's going to change that kind of break-even point. And then something that you know you have to keep in mind as well. An S-Corp is going to be a little bit more complex when it comes to preparing your taxes. So that's going to take a little bit more money. When you have payroll, I recommend using some sort of payroll vendor like Gusto um, so that they would take care of all those payroll, you know, tax withholdings and the filings because there are a lot of deadlines and you wanna make sure the money gets to where it's supposed to be on time. Um, That takes some additional money. So you need to make sure that any of that savings for self-employment taxes is you, you're, it's going to offset whatever those additional costs are. So it's, that it's makes messy. sense. It depends.
1: Kathy, here's what I'm going to say, because yeah. you made my head spin a little bit. And I think everybody knows that I'm not great at math on the fly and all of those types of things. I've said it a million <laughs> times. Here is my recommendation. I think people need to contact their CPA, contact yeah. Kathy and find out if it's going to make the most sense for you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that yeah. sounds Like it's going to be a pretty complicated decision that you really want to have some strategy behind, especially Mm -hmm. because it's going to be so particularly location dependent for sure. Exactly. And here's
0: the other thing, you know, the reasonable compensation number that's going to, you know, it's going to vary based off of, you know, how is your company doing, you know, financially? Is it just you? Do you have staff? Do you have, you know, there, you know, what sort of roles do you play in the business And so, you know, what would you have to pay somebody else to do some of those roles? So it's, there are a lot of variables. You can't necessarily go, you know, look on LinkedIn, look on Facebook. Then, you know, somebody might say 40% is a great, you know, amount for reasonable salary. But really does that, is that the best? recommendation for you
1: in your business. Okay, perfect. I appreciate that insight because I think that I've seen so many people who will say, as soon as you hit 40,000, go S-Corp. And I think it's, it's a more complicated decision than that. So we don't want people to yeah. automatically assume that there are tax benefits when mm-hmm. it may be something that you should strategize a bit more about and make sure it makes sense for you for sure.
0: Right, right. Or especially, you know, for states like California, you know, you have
1: to be an LLC
0: to then elect to be taxed as an S-Corp. And If your business isn't making enough money, you know, you're still going to be stuck with that, you know, that $800, you know, franchise fee, franchise tax, kind
1: of take it all into account. Okay. The last big area that we want to talk about, because it is almost that time of year, is 1099s. (laughs) Since so many influencers are freelancers, 1099s are such a hot topic. Can you tell us more about when they're required and what to do if you don't receive one from someone you worked with?
0: First of all, I want
1: you know, all business owners to know that they need to,
0: that they have to check boxes on their tax return that, you know, they're going to answer whether they're required to send a 1099 or not. And if so, whether they've actually sent them, keep this in mind. And you could be assessed to find if you're audited and the IRS found out that you didn't submit all required 1099s. A business who has somebody working for them, who's not an employee, this independent contractor, might be required to send a 1099 it all kind of there are a bunch of different questions you kind of have to go through you know the first one is did you pay somebody six hundred dollars or more for a service if you pay them 400 you're fine you don't have to send them a 1099 then you look at how did you pay this person if you pay them using cash check or ach uh you might have to send them a 1099 as well as if you use PayPal friends and family or just a Venmo personal account. Business owners should be using the business version of PayPal. But if you paid, you know, using a credit card or a debit card or normal PayPal square, you wouldn't have to send a 1099. You look at that, you look at, you're supposed to be sending some. you would want to send a business owner a 1099 ahead of time for them to complete so that you know more about their business because you have to look at whether you are paying... An in incorporated business or not. If you're paying a business that is a sole proprietor or taxed as a sole proprietor or you know taxed as a partnership, you will have to send them a 1099 provided you answer all those other questions. If you're working with a business that has been elected to be taxed as an S corp or as a corporation, you don't have to send a 1099. You also look at, are you working with somebody who is based in the United States? If you are. You should be sending them a 1099 because the IRS wants to know about everything in the um, the United States. If the person working for you is outside of the United States, you need to know if they are a U.S. citizen or not. So even if a U.S. citizen is living abroad, the IRS still wants to know about their income because they're a U.S. citizen. You know, you kind of look at all those different things. I have a blog post that actually has a really nice decision tree. So people aren't like trying to scribble down, you know, yes, no, yes, no. Um, So that I think we
1: will include that in the show notes for sure, because I know a lot of people are going to want to see that. One thing that I think comes up for many influencers is Mm -hmm. you're working with a VA. Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got a VA who bills you through PayPal invoices and you Mm -hmm. pay them. Mm-hmm. through PayPal. Mm-hmm. They made a thousand dollars because round number. Yeah. And so because it goes through PayPal business, because yeah. that's what you're, you, you are a business. Does that require a 1099 or is that something that PayPal takes care of when it hits their threshold?
0: PayPal would
1: take care of that. Which that sounds awesome. pretty good to me. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> so that's why it's like, you know, if you're paying somebody using a credit card, you're off the hook. You know, if you're paying somebody using like the PayPal business, you're off the hook um, because it, that would be covered by a 1099 K. You know, once you hit that certain threshold, then it would, you know, cover that reporting requirement. But I know you'd also ask what happens if you think you should have received a 1099, but you didn't. Yes. Um, please. Yes. So as, as I keep saying, the IRS wants to know about all of your sources of income. You know, you should, you should still be reporting that income on your tax return. Like, even if you s- receive you bill somebody $400, you know, obviously that's not above that $600 threshold. You should be re- uh, reporting that on your tax return. If, you know, you invoice somebody a thousand and you think you should have received a 1099, you should still be reporting it on your tax return because the IRS wants to know. And you don't need to have that 10, you don't have to wait to receive that 1099 to go and file your taxes. If somebody forgets to send it to you or they send it late. That's a sure really good
1: tip because that comes up every year when people are waiting for those 1099s and haven't gotten them. So I'm really glad that you said that.
0: Yeah. And so that's why we recommend having those separate business accounts so that you can go through, you can keep track of everything
1: and you know, you don't have to sit around waiting. I think that's awesome. Kathy, we are so grateful for the information that you have given us. I think this is going to be really helpful for people. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure everybody knows about the services that you offer. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you can help influencers with the financial side of their business and what you do?
0: You know, we've kind of gathered. Yes, I do some of those after the fact services like tax prep, but really I want business owners to be proactive with their finances. So I love working them throughout the year. That could be tax planning during Q3 or Q4 with recommendations on how to help lower their taxes. I'm not going to go say buy a new MacBook computer unless you actually need it, but you know, maybe it does make sense to be taxed as an S-corp. Maybe, you know, you need to adjust that reasonable compensation. Um, I'm working with a business owner right now to put together a 2018 budget and business plan for for the next year. We're going to talk about pricing. And then, you know, S-corps, businesses taxed as S-corps, are usually a great fit for outsourced CFO services where we kind of wrap up everything and bring it all together. So we'll cover things like reasonable compensation, estimated tax payments, adjustments to their tax withholdings. We'll talk about how their business is doing throughout the year, you know, putting together projections and see how we're comparing. And then, you know, making sure that they're staying on top of their bookkeeping and their record keeping. And then I'm also just available for one off questions. You know, I had a client ask me they were approached with this investment. And, you know, he's like, how would this affect my taxes? What do I need to know? What should I be looking out for? You know, another one is another client is actually going to be opening up a retail space. So she wanted to know how that affects her taxes. What are the things she needs to be aware of? You know, somebody also had a rental property. So looking at, you know, what kind of goes along with that, uh, what happens if they sell the rental this year or next year and just whatever else. Comes up throughout the
1: year. Well, that's fantastic. I love that you offer so many resources. Um, we definitely recommend Kathy. She gets our businesses seal of approval, if that's hey. a thing that I just made up. Uh, <laughs> star. So if you need help with your taxes, we highly recommend you reach out to Kathy. We will give links to her businesses in the show notes, which you can find at businesses.com slash episode 13. And before we leave, Kathy, can we go through our rapid fire questions for you?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What's your favorite book? It can be business or not business. Probably The Great Gatsby. That's my third favorite book of ever. We'll talk. (laughs) What was the first (laughs) thing you did to celebrate success in your business? What did you do for yourself? I got a massage right after tax season. And then... (laughs) That's perfect.
0: <laughs> and then I bought a new computer bag from Lowe and Sons.
1: Excellent. Do you have a word for the year? If so, what is it? Ooh, good question. I
0: um, haven't picked one, but it's probably going to be something like grow. So 2017 was all about setting the foundation, you know, putting down roots. 2018 is going to be
1: out nurturing and growing my business. I love it. Apple or PC? PC. Okay. This is it. Tell everyone where they can find you. So for accounting, go to
0: brightwateraccounting.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, it's Brightwater Finn, um, because I had also started off with Brightwater Financial. I'm on Facebook as both Brightwater Accounting and Financial Planning. If you want to hear me speak about taxes and accounting in 2018, I will be at the Type A Parent Conference in Chicago.
1: Wonderful. We are so happy that you were able to join us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, Jamie, what did you think of our interview with Kathy? Did you learn a ton about managing the financial side of the business?
2: That was awesome. I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm very pro Kathy. That was fantastic. She lived up to exactly what I expected from her, from all of her great answers, um, in the HQ and all the times we've spoke to her. So this was a good one. Lots of really good information.
1: Yeah. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Kathy. And of course you can find the show notes for this episode at businessees.com slash episode 13. And don't forget to stop by the HQ. You can find us at
2: businessescom slash HQ and let us know if you have any questions for Kathy. I know that she loves answering all the awesome financial questions that you guys can come up with. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessese.com. We'd really love to hang out with you on our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join visit com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again next week.